Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our studies in the book of Revelation. And today we are in chapter 12, which is the middle point of the book, and we're focusing on verse 11, which many commentators sense is the key verse to the entire book of Revelation. So that's where we're going to concentrate today. I'll read Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, as well as the verses right before and right after to keep it in context. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Rejoice then, O heaven, and you that dwell therein. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. The theme in Revelation chapter 12 is victory in the midst of the cosmic war, which began in Genesis chapter 3, and continues until Christ returns. Now, it's kind of tough for Americans to interpret spiritual warfare in the book of Revelation because, in our experience, the norm is peace. By God's providence, we have two big oceans separating us from a lot of people who like to fight each other. And we've enjoyed so much peace here within our own borders that we tend to think that's the norm. And so to go from that to think, no, we're engaged in an ongoing warfare might be a little difficult for us to digest. But we are in a spiritual warfare. It began with the announcement of the first prophecy in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 about the devil is going to be in conflict with the woman and her seed or her child. And that, of course, at the time was referring to Eve as the woman, but we find now the woman in Revelation chapter 12, the fulfillment of that prophecy, not the initial one, but the fulfillment is Mary giving birth to the Messiah. And what happens is that through Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, there's been a major change in the nature of the conflict. It says that the war in heaven, in a sense that Satan was present in the heavenly courts. You may not be familiar with this, but there's very often in the Bible this imagery of not only God himself in heaven, but God is in a sense of a royal throne room or royal ruling place, in that place, Satan had access. So what would Satan do when he comes before God, wanting to thwart God's plans, envious and hateful of mankind? What would he do? Pay attention to this. The most despicable thing he could do is recorded for us 
in verse 10 of Revelation 12. The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Satan is the accuser. And it goes on to say, who accuses them day and night, nonstop before God. This is Satan's key strategy. The evil one is the accuser. Accusations, condemnations. And I want to let you in on a little secret. It's a secret that I learned while I was an evangelical pastor, and yet this secret pertains to about 99% of those of you listening to this broadcast, and I'm not excluding myself. I include myself in the 99%. And here is the secret, that most Christians, most sincere Christians, most pious Christians— most earnest Christians, most solid Christians in their life have committed one or more serious sins that they deeply regret and are ashamed of. Now, apart from the sacrament of confession, the guilt from these past sins can unexpectedly pop up and the guilt can pop up at the worst possible moments. Say you're kind of going through a period of depression, illness, financial stress, family stress, or any combination of those, and then boom, the guilt pops up with condemnation. Now, here's something you can learn from the book of Revelation for your daily spiritual life. The work of Satan didn't stop when he was cast out of heaven. He accuses God's people day and night, day and night. But he didn't stop accusing them. He just got kicked out of the royal court. He, but the battlefield changed because, see, in the spiritual war, the condemnation, the accusation is his tool. And the battlefield has changed from heaven to earth. And, and uh, you know, it says, rejoice, O heaven. Well, we got rid of that guy. But then it goes on and says, woe to you guys on earth, because the devil knows his time is short. So what is he going to do? He's going to intensify that same strategy of accusation. And I'll just say this, and, and again, I mentioned this as a former evangelical pastor, that personal confession, and, and you're welcome, venial sins, lesser sins to confess those, but these type of things which bother people, bother good Christians, where you've done something that's seriously wrong, you regret it, you're ashamed of it, and you just try to put it away apart from the sacrament of confession, it pops back up. I know this because people who are all dressed nicely and smiling Sunday morning would come into my pastor's study and unburden their souls, and I would try to give them uh, the assurance that God loves them and such, but it was nothing compared to just a couple of minutes in the sacrament of confession. God knows we need this, and there's a power in the sacrament that we need in the days when the devil is intensifying his accusations. It says when he comes down to earth a little later in the chapter, It said, the serpent poured out water like a river out of his mouth, like a flood to sweep away God's people. Well, 
Satan is presented to us as a serpent. What comes out of a deadly serpent's mouth other than venom, deadly venom? And it comes out like a river. And so there's a river of accusations. And if you're trying to live a halfway decent Christian life, you're going to stumble and you are going to be accused. You are going to be condemned. You're going to be in the middle of spiritual warfare. And that's why we need to overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. That's one of the two things to defeating the work of Satan. And it's going to be personified a little later, as we see in the next couple of chapters in the Antichrist. But we defeat him by the power of the blood of the Lamb. And then there's a second thing we can do to have victory in the midst of this warfare. And I have to ask a question. What is the one thing that Jesus can do that Caesar could not? Because remember, historically, this is Caesar. It's not going to be limited to Caesar because people long before Caesar, tyrants, call them Pharaoh, call them Antiochus, Epiphanes, call them Nebuchadnezzar, or call them Caesar, or call them Hitler, or Pol Pot, whatever you would. What is the one thing a powerful tyrant, an emperor, a Caesar could do, and particularly the Roman emperors, with at the time the mightiest kingdom with the mightiest military the world has ever seen? He had nearly absolute authority, and he killed millions. Just go to Wikipedia and see how many people died as a result of the Roman Empire. It's in the millions. But what is the one thing that Jesus can do that Caesar can't? And remember, this whole spiritual warfare is a conflict of kingdoms. Caesar proclaiming lordship, so kingdom and worship. Caesar wants worship kingship and worship, and Jesus claims that he is divine and only he should be worshiped. This is what's going on in the book of Revelation. And the one thing that Jesus can do that Caesar cannot is give life after death. And we have proof of it in the person of Jesus himself. And this is why the key verse in the book of Revelation is And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Now, the word of their testimony. You might have been asked to give a brief testimony at a breakfast or some kind of church meeting and stuff, and those are excellent things to do. But the testimony here is willing to say Jesus is king, and only he is worthy of worship, and you're willing to give your life for that testimony. The word testimony in the original Greek is martyria. We get the English word martyr from the root of this word. In other words, the early Christians, as well as the Christians in the last days, need to have this willingness to give their lives in the hope of the resurrection, even if Caesar would put them to death, even if the Antichrist would put them to death, they have a hope of eternal life. And this just sends tyrants into a tizzy. 
They don't have any answer to it. They don't have any power to go up against it. But this is exactly what is being called for in the book of Revelation. And the word of their testimony, if you want to see this fleshed out, because this is just a phrase in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, go to the book of 2 Maccabees chapter 7, and we're going to cover that in future broadcasts, Lord willing, of Luke 21 radio. But in that chapter 7, you'll see that in a very real way, history repeats itself. Antiochus Epiphanes at the time instead of Caesar. And the historical context, the book of Revelation, you have Caesar and the early Christians. In the future, you'll have the Antichrist and the final persecution. And uh, if you don't want to wait until we get to our study of 2 Maccabees, if you have the slightest suspicion that you might live through a time of fierce persecution, even the Antichrist persecution, then 2 Maccabees chapter 7 may be one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible to equip you for withstanding those days. The word of their testimony, it's fleshed out in an entire chapter 7 of 2 Maccabees. And that's why the Jews to this day uh, celebrate Hanukkah. It was the re-establishment, rededication of the temple after the great revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes. But there's a striking similarity between the rapture dispensationalist and the extreme preterist. The dispensationalists are all future. The preterists are all past. And they both have a striking similarity. They avoid end-time persecution. I'm Steve Wood, your host of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.